0: Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 11 in the NIV. And man, this is a different message uh, for me this morning. And so please bear with me. Uh, we're going to make it through. We're obviously we're prepared. We just, uh, we just felt a little bit different with this message. Uh, it's part of our series. And so Luke chapter 2, verses eight through 11. Uh, It's gonna be up on the screens when uh, you are ready to to go there. Uh, In fact, why don't we stand one more time if you can Stand one more time. We don't want anybody falling asleep already. I know um, some people say it's warm. Some people say it's chilly. I'm just right. And so it's probably cold. Um, And so, but let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for what you have already done. Uh, We thank you for being here in the building with us. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for for touching lives at home through the live stream. Uh, We believe the word of God is powerful. Uh, We believe, God, that you are using your word to speak to us this morning, to encourage us this morning, to challenge us this morning. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that lives would be changed. I pray that we would be encouraged. I pray that something that is said from the word of God this morning would catch a hold of our hearts and that it would stir us uh, in such a way that we would have a desire, God, to serve you like never before, to surrender to you like never before, uh, to pursue you and you only like never before and so God touch your people touch our time together in Jesus name God's people said amen Amen. you may be seated all right so last week we started like I said a new series called my Christmas wish list And if you remembered, I I shared a little bit about my my love for this Christmas season and everything really uh, to do with Christmas, from the music to the decorations to just everything Christmas. And so as we get closer to Christmas Day, the excitement is building in many ways. And listen, I know some of us adults, we kind of get the fuddy-duddies. And so we are maybe not quite as excited as our kids and or our grandkids, but definitely there is, even in our culture, there is some excitement building. And, you know, as followers of Christ, we know that Jesus is the reason for the season. How many of you know that? Jesus is the reason. And so of course, of course we we can celebrate because God sent a savior and and the gift of salvation is yours and it's mine uh, uh, today because a baby was born in a manger but ironically God's plan included a cradle and a cross. So from the cradle to the cross, the plan was made. From the cradle to the cross, things were set in motion. And so last week we talked about the wish list that children and some of us have during this time of year. In fact, I came across some notes related to the wish list and and the stuff that children want for Christmas. And so one child wrote, Dear Santa, there are three little boys that live in our house. And I really, really hope that you see what I see. There is Jeffrey and he is only 2. And there is David and he's just he's just 4 and there is a big good little boy named Norman and clearly he is 7. Now Jeffrey is good only some of the time and David is also only good some of the time too. But Norman Norman he He's a big boy, and clearly, he's good all the time, and of course, I am Norman. Another child got right to the point, said, Dear Santa, you didn't bring me anything good last year, and you didn't bring me anything good the year before, and so this is your last chance, (laughs) signed Alfred. Last week, we said that the Christmas wish list is not necessarily unique or limited to children. Adults, uh, many of us have uh, would like to say that that we would that we also uh, have Christmas wish lists and things, special things that we would like for Christmas. Some people might even say that they, what they want would be considered the perfect gift. Pastor, this morning I have it in mind. It's on my mental list. I've, I've maybe put it on a physical list, and it is on the refrigerator for my children, grandchildren, everyone to see it. It's the perfect gift, but the reality is that all of the stuff that you and I want is usually something that can break. Or something that will eventually get old and and just like children, eventually you and I will grow tired of what we used to call the best or the perfect gift. And so the, the Christmas wish, wish list I'm talking about during this series has to do with three words that are connected with the Christmas story. And and these words are proven to have lo- a long lasting effect on, on our lives today. And, and I'm talking about the words love, joy, and hope. Love, joy, and hope. And well, last week we talked about love. Say love. See, having love on our Christmas wish list might initially sound like a little bit vague, but if you've ever experienced true love, you know what a great thing love really is. And and it's something that's great that you want, and it's even more wonderful when you have it. In the first Christmas story, Mary and Joseph were literally promised a supernatural experience of love through the baby that was about to be born in a manger. And see, Emmanuel, that name, which is translated God with us, he was about to come on the scene. And and, and listen, they were instructed, Mary and Joseph were instructed by the angel to call his name, what? Jesus. One more time, say that beautiful name. Jesus. Jesus. So listen, we said he was the best gift to them and he's the best gift to us today. As we examined the value of God's gift last week, we said that that special gift was useful, it was costly, it was effective, and no doubt salvation through Jesus Christ was useful to Mary and Joseph and it's useful to us today. How many believe that salvation, the gift that Jesus is, is useful to us today? And we also know for sure that God's gift was costly because the same Jesus that left the glory of heaven, he came down and was born in a humble manger. He lived a perfect life among us, but also gave his life as a sacrifice on the cross to purchase your and my salvation. And finally, God's gift of love was effective because once you receive Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior, you will never, ever be the same. See, an experience with Jesus Christ brings change. It brings transformation. And so that God can now use us to love others into his kingdom. As, far as That's what it's all about as far as I'm concerned. That's what it's all about. So clearly having love on our Christmas wish list is, is a great thing. But today I want to add joy. Say joy. joy. I want to add joy to that wish list. How many of us, we, we need some joy during this season? Amen. I know folks that, again, they've experienced recent loss. They need joy during this season. Uh, exceptional joy, supernatural joy. We know that uh, life itself is a drag sometimes. It draws, uh, you know, that joy from us. We feel drained. Anybody ever feel drained? Uh, Anybody ever feel heavy uh, during certain seasons? And uh, we need joy. Now, whether we realize it or not, many of us are actually longing for something that we feel we don't have. And some people will secretly say, if I could only have this, then I would be happy. If I could only have that, then I would be happy. But I wonder if some of us, if some people have somehow misplaced what is merry or joyful about Christmas. Like we might wish people a merry Christmas, but somehow uh, we connect that with something or someone and the only way we think we could be merry or joyful is by something found in this world. Let's go to our text. The Bible says in Luke chapter 8 uh, Luke chapter 2 rather, verses 8 through 11, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were what? Terrified. Terrified. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. How many of us could use some good news? I know I can all the time. Bring me good news. Amen. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is, I insert Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. So this week, as we add joy to our Christmas wish list, I want us to take a closer look at our text And this is where I said things are a little bit different for me. In fact, I believe that some of the simple words leading up to and surrounding the great joy that was promised by the angel for all of the people back then can actually speak to you and I today. Words have value. Amen? Words are important, and so that's what we're going to look at today, just some very simple, simplistic words that can impact your life, and some of you will see what I'm talking about uh, this morning, and so again, I hope that it encourages you to keep joy on your Christmas wish list this year and every single year, and so the the, the, the very first simple word that we want to look at in our text, and that I want us to consider, is the word night. Say night. One more time, say night. Verse eight of our text, go there again. Verse eight of our text said that there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. I want you to know this morning that that word night has uh, some significance there and it has some significance here. and, And that word is like a picture of the human race apart from Christ. Think of when you were living in the night. See, spiritual darkness had covered the earth for many, many years. And and now Satan was about to be crushed by the appearance of Christ in a cradle. The the long, long night was about to end all because of the baby Jesus. And so instead of deep darkness and a hush from heaven, at this special moment, very special moment in human history, light is about to appear. But for right now, all the shepherds saw was night. Some of you in your life right now, all you can see is the night but the light is about to appear. It's the same light that you and I experience when we're, it's the, the same night that you and I experience when we were doing life apart from Jesus Christ. See, I can remember when my life was lived in the night. Anybody remember when you were in the night? I can remember that. The night was dark and the night was overwhelming at times and and the sadness of the night even caused depression in my life from season to season Uh, because in my life it was a season of night. But the light of Christ, the, the light that Christ brought into my life so many years ago was about to cause me to experience true joy. Let's talk about that light. And on that, that, that was brought into that night into our, in our text. And so the, the next word is light, obviously. Verse 9 says that an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of, of the Lord shone around them. Shone, that word shone is shining. The glory, the light, the brilliance of God shone around them. And so suddenly, suddenly, say Suddenly. Suddenly, in the middle of the night, some of you, you know what I'm talking about because when you were living in the night, it's like Jesus showed up. He came in on your scene and where everything was dark and where everything was broken and where your life was being overwhelmed by the night, the light came. And in your darkness, all of a sudden you could see because of the light. An angel of the Lord appears in a flash of light. I can almost picture lightning in that moment. Anybody ever see were surprised maybe by a flash of lightning in the sky? Maybe taken aback, maybe just kind of feeling like, whoa, what just happened? I hope it doesn't come any closer. I, I don't want to experience that kind of light too close. Uh, or like someone pointing a bright flashlight at your face in a very dark room. My kids have done that to me. And been like, man, you just blinded me. I'm like seeing spots right now. You can't do that to me. In fact, I I can't imagine how bright the glory of the Lord shone in that moment, but it was shining all around them and into their night came this bright, bright light and this picture of light can represent the Holy Spirit illuminating a life in their dark season of life. It reminds me even of Isaiah chapter nine, verse two, where it says the people walking in the darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep, deep darkness. A light has been dawned. Again, with our, without Christ, our lives uh, were literally, we are literally walking around in darkness. And and you as you shop, listen, as you go shopping during this Christmas season, I hope you realize that the look of panic on some people's faces, it goes deeper than they just can't find that special toy or that special item. Many people will tell you that without Christ, they can literally remember the darkness that they experienced every day. Every single day. But one day, God's light, say light. God's light, His Spirit showed them the way, and everything changed. You were once in the night, experiencing night all around you, and then the light came. Listen, the that bright light in the night caused the reaction, and that's where we get the next word: uh, fright. Say fright. Fright, being, being afraid. See, the bright light in the middle of the night actually caused the shepherds great fright. Verse nine says, go there again. Verse nine says, they were what? They were terrified. They were terrified. The, the word here translated terrified, it means that they were alarmed. It means that they were agitated. In the King James Version, it even says that they were sore, afraid. Well, I liken this to what happens in your heart as the Holy Spirit is dealing with you about your salvation. One pastor writes, Sitting in the darkness of sin may have been spooky, but it was tolerable. But then suddenly, the glory of God's absolute holiness shines into your sin-blackened hearts and you literally become undone, agitated, alarmed, Listen, while I know that fear is not always a good motivator, when I came to Jesus as my Savior, I had to deal with the idea of my sin and that my sin, not anybody else's, my sin was going to eternally separate me from a holy God and lead me into a dark and fiery, painful hell forever. We don't like to talk about that. We like to sanitize it. We like to say, you know, just, oh, you know, you know, I was a pretty good person and, and uh, you know, but Jesus came and, and I added him to my life. No, listen, if you're only adding, you're not experiencing all that God has for you. I'm telling you that you were living in the night and Jesus Christ, he came and he brought light into your life and if in that moment when that transformation took place, you are not dealing with the fright of your sin, you are stuck you are stuck and people I'm telling you they're stuck you can tell them about Jesus sometimes and they're like, oh, that's for you. That's the, That religion is for you. I'm telling you this morning that Jesus Christ is not a religion. Uh, Jesus Christ is not some uh, figment of our imagination. He is God. He is the living God. And I love it that no matter what sin I'm involved in and no matter where I am in life, that Jesus loves me and that Jesus' love is for me and that he wants to change my life and that I don't have to, live in that fear and I don't have to be bogged down by that forever and my eternal destination does not have to be eternally apart from God and everyone that I love in hell because it wasn't created for you and I anyways God's Holy Spirit was dealing with me in those days and I, and I thank God that, you know, clearly I was alarmed to the point of making a decision for Christ. And I, I can tell you right now that it was the best choice. It was the best decision I ever made in my life. And, and so just like fright, the next word is not literally in our text, but it's clearly inferred. And so I want you to go and say with me, all right. Say, All right. After going through the process of night to light to fright, the shepherds are going to be all right because they are comforted with these words. Go to verse 10. What did the angels say? But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. In other words, chill out. It's going to be all right. Some of you, you need to hear that this morning. Chill out, it's going to be all right. In your situation, in the season of your life right now, there may be glimpses of darkness. There may be times when you are reminded of the brokenness that you lived in day in and day out, but the light has come. Jesus has been born. You accepted him into your life. And if you did that, the fright is going to be broken and you're going to be all right. The reason these guys were frightened, listen to this, I love the reminder of this, I knew this, but it was just a great reminder. Uh, These shepherds, the reason they were frightened was not just because the light was bright in the night, but because angels were often the messengers of wrath. Think about that. So very much in the Old Testament, very much in their history, when an angel appeared, something's gonna get burned up. Something's going to get wiped out. Something big is going to happen. And for them, the, the reality was that it wasn't always good. Angels were often messengers of wrath. And so usually when an angel showed up back then, bad news was a part of the deal. But this time it was different. In fact, the, the admonition, not, admonition not to be afraid was connected to our next word or, or literally a phrase, good news. Say good news. Good news. Nice and loud. One more time. Good news. See, the, as the angel appears to the shepherds who are just doing their job, some of you say, I've said that. I, I'm just doing my job. And so the angel appears to them and his first concern is to calm them down because they are terrified Clearly. The angels have appeared. Their expectation is somebody's going to get burned up. Somebody's going to go into eternity. The angel, here comes the wrath, duck. So he had to chill them out. They they, they probably, like I said, they think they're literally about to die. But the reason they didn't have to tremble was because the angel was about to make an enormous announcement. In the second half of verse 10, the angel quickly said, I bring you good news. I bring you good news. Now, this good news phrase means to announce. It, it means to declare. It means to show them something. And so the word you, uh, used there in the original language was actually evangel, which is where we get the word gospel from. Evangel, you might even uh, link that to the word evangelist or evangelism. We're talking about the good news. That was good news that the angel was bringing to them. And so let me just point out that good Good news is only good news when it comes in response to bad news. Let me say that again. Good news is only good news when it comes in response to bad news. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about because you've experienced that when it rains, it pours. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about, because it feels like you're on a, on, on your life is on repeat, and you are experiencing maybe a tough season right now, and uh, you would give anything for some good news. You would give anything. What's that movie with uh, Bill Murray when everything is on repeat? Uh, I don't know if anybody. Uh, Groundhog Day, and so some of you are like Pastor Freddie. Uh, uh, to be real, to be honest, I feel like I'm living in Groundhog day because it seems like I'm trying to do things different it seems like I'm trying to make different decisions but I am stuck and here it comes again and here comes the bad news and here comes the next thing because when it rains it pours can I just tell you something that you are not stuck in groundhog day when it comes to Jesus Jesus has brought us good news and good news is only good news when it comes in response to bad news And so the bad news was that we're sinners. The bad news is that your sin and my sin, it literally separates us from a a holy and a righteous God and and our sin, it actually condemns us. It's actually a bad thing. It condemns us to an eternal hell no matter how many good things we have done in life because some people feel that, right? They're like, well, Pastor Freddie, I'm certainly gonna be allowed into heaven because all of my good outweighs all of my bad. I remember thinking like that. Anybody else ever think like that? Uh, you know, oh, just me. Okay, so I felt in my life that man, I know I've messed up a little bit, but my good surely outweighs the bad. And so, you know, uh, you know, and some people, you know, well, I've said a thousand Hail Marys, and certainly, God, that's going to count for something. Or I've done certain uh, genuflections, and I've uh, done this, and I've done that. Uh, uh, listen, no, no, I'm sorry. The bad news is, sin is sin, and sin condemns you. Even if it's one sin, it condemns you. The good news is that a Savior is born. The good news is that God left his throne in heaven, that God said they are worth it that God, I've said it before, on your worst day, on the day when you felt like you didn't deserve it, on the day when life was falling apart, on the day when you felt like a useless piece of flesh on this earth that maybe you should end it all, and you heard the whispers that said, go ahead, do it, end it all, that there was good news, and that good news came from heaven, and that good good news came in the form of Jesus Christ. A Savior was born. He's the reason you and I can be joyful. He's the reason you and I can have a a merry Christmas. And see, until you and I understand the depth of our sin, we won't really fully appreciate the good news of Christmas. In fact, we can't appreciate amazing grace until we first appreciate the fact that as a wretch, as wretches, you and I absolutely deserve the wrath of God. We deserve it. Apart from Christ, we deserve it. And so the good news is that Jesus Christ was born in a manger, lived a sinless life, died on a cross covered with my sin and your sin. Our sin was upon him. He died on that cross to purchase our salvation. The thought of that needs to settle in our hearts. Once it does, the angel said that it was going to affect people in a major way. In fact, it leads us to the next phrase, great joy. Say great joy, nice and loud. One more time, great great joy. Notice in verse 10 that this news will cause great joy for all people, not just for the Jews, not just for a certain segment of our society. See, the word great here is the word megas. Mega in the Greek, it carries the idea of mega joy. It carries the idea of supersized cheerfulness. We would literally maybe translate it humongous hilarity. This good news is exceedingly exciting because God is bringing about a solution to our sin problem. They went from total terror to giant joy, and this joy is still what we need on our Christmas wish list today in 2022. Galatians 4:15: the Apostle Paul asked the deep question, Where is that joyful and grateful spirit that you felt then? Where is the joy? And that question, it needs to be asked in all churches today, what has happened to our joy? See, the reality is we tend to equate happiness with joy, but how many of you know that the two are actually totally different ideas, totally different things? Happiness is not joy. Anybody know that? Two of you, three of you, all right? Happiness is not joy, different ideas because they spring from a different source. Listen to what I'm saying if you don't know this. See, one of those words comes from the world around me. The other originates from the spirit of the living God himself. See, happiness this morning is conditioned by and often dependent upon what is happening to me. And so what is happening to me right now, Pastor Freddie, is not so good. And because it's not so good, I'm not very happy. And what is happening to me right now is not fair. And so I'm not very happy. But for somebody else, they might say, Pastor Freddie, things are awesome right now. Things are great. I got a raise at work. Uh, My landlord cut my rent in half. If that's you, let me know about it. Uh, uh, You know, in fact, uh, Pastor Freddie, right now in the season, check it out. My 401k tripled. Again, if that's you, talk to me. I want to hear, I want to hear about it. Uh, There, you know, you know that, you know, but one moment you're sad and one moment you're happy. It's conditioned. Happiness is conditioned by what is happening to me. If people treat me nicely, if things are going well in my life, then I'm happy. But if my circumstances aren't favorable, then I'm unhappy. Joy. Say joy. Joy. We're talking about joy this morning. Joy on your Christmas wish list. Joy stands out throughout scripture as a profound, compelling quality of life that transcends the delights and disasters that God's people face. I want to say that again. I want you to hear that. See, joy It stands out in scripture as profound, compelling quality of life that transcends the delights and disasters that God's people face. Listen, when you have the joy of the Lord, when I've seen people really experience the joy of the Lord, I have seen them go through unimaginable things. I have seen them face some things that that if a person was not living for Jesus Christ and did not have joy as a part of their life, supernatural joy, they would be broken. They would consider suicide. Uh, They would consider leaving planet earth because man, what is happening to that person right now? It is just unfair or it is just too much or it is just too weighty. It is heavy. But they, in the midst of it, have the joy of the Lord. See, joy is a divine dimension of living. It's not shackled by circumstances. So if it's raining, you're joyful. If it's sunny and 80, you're joyful. When things are good, you're joyful. When things are bad, you know what? God is in control. My joy comes from him. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's his joy. It's not even my joy. It's his joy, not even your joy. And so whatever's happening, again, it's a divine dimension. The Hebrew word for joy literally means to leap and spin around. I didn't plan on doing that. I almost fell. (laughs) Hebrew word for joy, to leap and spin around with pleasure. In the New Testament, the word refers to gladness and bliss and celebration. It's hard to be merry about Christmas in our happy holidays culture. People are busy. Shoppers are stressed out. If you haven't been there, some of you are doing all your shopping online. You're missing out on all the fun. (laughs) And some of you are laughing because you're saying you're crazy. So uh, Some have said, I've literally heard say, I will never go into a store during uh, shopping for the holidays, ever, shopping for Christmas ever again. I love online shopping. Some of you, you're on a first name basis with the Amazon man. <laughs> FedEx comes and they know exactly where you like the package laid. <laughs> and the postal service, oh man. I had a, a screen that was supposed to be delivered and, and uh, one day they could drive up my driveway and yesterday they decided it was too scary. And so they took their package and I can't get it till this week. And so man, oh man, anyways, not, not meaning to, uh, to slam on the postal service, but they need help. They're hiring, by the way. <laughs> and uh, no matter how broke or busy people are, they can be joyful because it's a choice to rejoice. It's a choice. Actually, it's a command repeated twice in Philippians 4.4. 4. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. So far, we've looked at some simple words. Night, light, right, all right, good news, great joy. Our next phrase is also inferred in verse 10. Go to verse 10 one more time. And number seven is global message, global message. And see, uh, this good news that will cause great joy is for all people, all the people, say all. It's for all the people. And so so God's mega message was never intended for one group of people in one part of the world. In fact, God's good news of great joy is for all people. It is therefore joy to the world. That's why we can focus so much on outreach as a church. See, one of the best ways to build joy into your life is by talking to others about Jesus, sharing the love of Jesus through gift giving, through, uh, through uh, food, uh, giving to the pantry during Thanksgiving, all of the things that we do as outreach in the name of Jesus. Those are great things to build joy. I think of Chris working down in the, in the food pantry downstairs and others that volunteer with different agencies. And, and uh, man, what a joy it is to give. What a joy it is to serve. Philemon 1.6 says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Let me say that again. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. Active, active, active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Sometimes the good things are right in front of your face. Sometimes the good things are all around you but you are distracted by the world or you are distracted by your job or or you are distracted by the demands of this world and and God is wanting you to know every good thing that we have in Christ and you can do that by actively sharing your faith because in those moments, you remember what the grace of God did for you and what it can do for everyone else around you. Luke 15 it tells us how much rejoicing takes place when we when the lost are found when the lost sheep is recovered verse 5 of Luke 15 says that the owner was joyfully puts it on his shoulders and then goes home and calls his friends and neighbors together and then he later declares in verse 6 and 7 of Luke 15 rejoice for me with me i have found my lost sheep i tell you in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents Your gift might be the reason somebody turns to Jesus. Your act of sacrifice might be the reason that someone says, you know what, I haven't been to church since that last church, but I'm going to give God another chance. I'm going to go to church. God can use you. It's a global message. (laughs) An atheist once said to some Christians, if you want me to believe in your Redeemer, then you've got to look a lot more redeemed. The world is saying to us, if you want me to believe in your Redeemer, you've got to look a lot more redeemed. Literally, if we're going to make an impact on lost people, we must be filled with joy. Again, it's a global message. And then finally, the eighth word or phrase is granted to you. Granted to you. Worship team, come. Granted to you. I want you to notice in verse 11, let's go back to our text. In verse 11, this, this proclamation is very personal. It says, the word of God says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. That baby in a manger, that baby in the cradle, a gift of love and joy to you. Joy to the world. See, Christmas must be personal. A personal confession in order for it to make a real difference in your life. In fact, the Savior can, can never save you until you cry out, Jesus, I know you came for me. I know you died on the cross in my place because of my sin. I accept Christ into my life as Savior and I surrender to your Lordship. Jesus, I'm a sinner, please save me. Please help me. Please wash me. Please cleanse me. Please give me a new beginning. Please give me a new start. That last phrase in Luke two eleven actually reads, he is the Messiah, the Lord. Today he wants to make sure you know that and that we respond to him in that way. So today I hope that we know that Jesus is the only way to God. And the only way to heaven, the Bible is very clear, right? The only And the only way to have true joy is to have Jesus. So keep joy on your Christmas wish list. I've said this before and maybe I need to say it again. I think sometimes Christians, we, need, we, we say we're saved, but we need the salvation of our face. That's odd. No, let me say that again. Christians, we're saved, but sometimes we need our face to get saved. The atheist said, you know, if you want me to believe in your Redeemer, you've got to look a little more redeemed. Let your face be saved. Say it out loud. Joy to the world. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Father. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, man, you are talking to me like you are talking to everyone else here this morning. So many times, God, I, I just need, I say it as a joke, I need to get saved all over again because I forget about your goodness and I forget how blessed I am and, Lord, you, you, you led me to preach about complaining right around Thanksgiving. And I know that, that, Lord, that's one of my struggles, God, that it's so easy for me to get in that mode. But, Lord, you have such great blessing for me in my life and in everyone, in everyone's life. And you want us to experience love. And you want us to experience true joy. And, Lord, we're not going to do that complaining. We're not going to do that focusing on distractions. But we can experience love and true joy as we focus on Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that in the midst of our busyness, in the midst of our schedules running here and there, that, God, we would consider Jesus, that, God, we would focus on the fact that He loves us unconditionally, And he wants to give us a home in heaven A fresh start A clean slate A new beginning I don't know about you, but I need a new beginning Anybody need a new beginning? Anybody need a new beginning? Hallelujah, thank you Jesus Thank you Jesus Thank you for new beginnings Let's close out in worship church